Well, as we're counting downs in Christmas, whoa, if you can't hear me, turn up your hearing aid. <laughs> Ready? You might want to turn me down a little bit. I'm trying to whisper. Either that or my hearing aid. There, I feel better now. Thank you. I don't know what you did, but I felt a whole lot better. For everybody who doesn't like the sound of my voice, I hope you like better, feel better too. <laughs> don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> so, if we're counting down, we're looking at the. Uh, We're going to call it the genealogy of Jesus, although Bible genealogies are a little different than Ancestry.com genealogies and uh, family trees that we make. So uh, maybe we'll talk about that some week, though. But uh, one of the things that stands out about Matthew's uh, version of uh, Jesus' uh, genealogy is that uh, five women are mentioned. It's usually fathers. Uh, or grandfathers, the men that are mentioned, but Matthew mentions or names five women uh, in Jesus' uh, genealogy. Uh, and each of them has a unique story that uh, and they make a special contribution to uh, Jesus' story. And uh, we were in the process of discovering how their stories and our stories connect. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Help us to prepare for Jesus' coming. The first woman that is mentioned is uh, is Tamar. She, uh, I, I would almost start her, for those of you who remember, uh, I, I would almost start her story by saying welcome to the Jerry Springer show. Uh, Tamar dressed up like a prostitute so she could have sex with her father-in-law in order to have a, a uh, produce a child for her dead husband. True story. And she ends up in Jesus' genealogy because one of those, she had twins, and one of those boys ends up being one of Jesus' ancestors. So something, we talked about that her story last week, but one of the things that her story reveals to us is that righteousness is, is about relationships first. Uh, it's primarily a relationship, con a relational concept. Relationships precede rules in, this, in right, righteousness and as far as the Bible is concerned. In fact, I would go so far as to say the more uncomfortable you are and I am, the more uncomfortable we feel about morality being primarily a relational concept, the more likely it is we have made religious rules into an idol. Uh, if life only makes sense when we're following religion's moral codes, or if we only make sense, or only have a sense of worth when we, we've become good at keeping the rules and obeying the activities or following all the religious activities, 
then we're probably worshiping the activities and not the Lord. Keep going, Mark, before you get stuff thrown at you. Okay, so the second woman, the second woman, what did the second woman in Jesus' uh, family tree do? What great feats uh, of, uh, uh, did, did she do? Okay, her name's Rahab. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'll drop into verses 4 and 5 for, to, to catch up with Rahab. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Then verse 4. Ram, the father of Abinadab, Abinadab, the father of Nachshon, Nachshon, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. So let's talk about Rahab. find out more about Boaz because Boaz was married to the third woman. We'll talk about her later. Uh, Boaz grew up with stories about Rahab. Knowing about Rahab. It was a normal day for Rahab. Two guys from out of town came to stay at her house. That was normal. People from out of town stayed at her house all the time. Men stayed at her house frequently. Some would say she was a very friendly hostess. If you have not caught the drift of what I'm saying yet, I will be blunt. Rahab did not dress up like a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. And she rented rooms. You might say, in modern language, she ran a brothel. Two out-of-town guests showed up to stay with her. Someone told the king that two Israelite spies had shown up in Jericho and hinted that, well, you know, the only place that two out-of-town guys would stay in Jericho would be, you know, whose house? Joshua had, by the way, sent two spies to check, scout out the land around Jericho and, and the city of Jericho. And so the king asked Rahab to turn these two men over to him. She, he says, the spies have come and we need to get rid of them quickly. Uh, Rahab hides the men. And then she tells the king that they left. I don't really don't know where they are now, but I know they left. The, they went out the gate. And I'm really not even sure which direction they went when they got to the fork of the road out there. 
I'm not sure which direction they went, but I know they left, and you, they shouldn't be too far down the road. I'm pretty sure if you hurry now, you can catch up with them. All the while, they're on the roof of her house, hiding hidden under bales of barley. While the soldiers are running down the roads in all directions looking for them, Rahab goes up to the roof to make a deal with these two spies from the Israelite camp from Jacob, uh, from Joshua. And uh, she says the following, listen to this, Joshua chapter two, verses nine to 14. I know the Lord has given you this land We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. We have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to the two kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. That's what put a parent put a parenthetical statement in here. These two kings attacked the Israelites. It's not like the Israelites were just running around going, oh, we don't like these people, we're going to kill them all. No, these people attacked the Israelites, they defended themselves, and well, in the morals of the day, they took them all out. And Rahab says, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all my families. We will offer our own lives as guarantee for your safety, the man agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. I want you to notice what Rahab said about God. The Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Rahab, the prostitute of Jericho, chose to trust God. I said this a few moments ago when we talked about faith. Faith focuses on, fixates even on God, who God is, what God does, what God can do. And Rahab chose the Lord's side over her occupation, over her idols, and her allegiance to her king. She said, your God is the supreme God over heaven and earth. I want to be on his side. Which leads us Leads me to ask a question. If the Lord is the supreme God of the heavens and the earth below to you and me, 
how will you live? How will we live? If God is the supreme God over heaven and earth, how will we live? Pretty sure Rahab had some difficult days. I'm, I'm sure that not all the stories told about Rahab and the things said about Rahab were positive and kind. People don't say positive and kind things about everyone, but Prostitutes often find themselves the subject of demeaning, belittling, and derogatory stories and narratives. So imagine for a moment that no one cared about your story. I'm pretty sure there were times when Rahab had no one caring about her story. No one cared about how she got where she was and why she was where she was, and no one offered any compassion for her situation. And then one day, something miraculous happened. Two out of town guys show up, and she's given the opportunity to put her faith. Is Lord, the supreme God over all heaven and earth. To take God as he is and as he came to her and to believe in him. To trust him. To trust his people. And with one simple decision Faith and trust, Rahab, the prostitute, became a friend of God. And I wonder what happened the next morning when she looked in the mirror. I wonder if she saw, instead of the broken woman she'd seen every other day, I wonder if she saw this beautiful daughter of God. He had always seen. Was waiting for her. See, faith can have that effect on us. Faith calls us out of our old lives and our old story and welcomes us into a new story. The Lord is the supreme God of the heavens and the earth. How does it affect the way we live? Rahab chose the Lord's side and received a whole new reputation, a whole new story. She went from being the prostitute of Jericho to grandmother to the Messiah. Great, 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 great. 
generations removed, but still. She became an example of faith's transforming power. She's, she's listed that in Hebrews chapter 11, there, in Hebrews chapter 11 is called, in the Bible, is often called the, the hall of faith. It's the list of great heroes of faith. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Rahab. That's what it says. By faith, Rahab received the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. The Lord is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below to you. How do you live? Unfortunately, a lot of us live just like we always do. We recognize he's the supreme God. I mean, the people of Jericho were absolutely terrified of the Lord. All of them recognized that he was the Lord, the God who split the Red Sea and conquered kings and had sent the people of Israel there to take the land. They were so terrified they had no courage or strength to fight. But they were stuck in fear. Fear keeps us stuck. But what do we fear? What keeps us clinging to to our idols, our religious rules and rituals. Some of us fear losing control of our lives or control of the people around us. And you know what happens when you lose control? All kinds of weird things happen. Some of us, others of us fear losing the approval of our friends and, or other I'll drop the air quotes. Christians church people. Don't want people thinking badly about us. Some of us are avoiding the loss of comfort and security. These fears keep us enslaved to the idol of religion and our fears prevent us from receiving freedom and healing so that we can really love Jesus and follow him. The people of Jericho were controlled by their fear. They have said we're all afraid Everyone is living in terror. Our hearts have melted in fear. No one has courage. They knew who the Lord was. But only one, Rahab. Rahab's faith in the God of Heaven and earth moved her to act on behalf of the two spies. 
and it saved her family. Her father, her mother, her brothers and sisters and their families. On the day, the walls of Jericho fell except for the section of the wall where her house was. As you see, her house was in the wall. That section, where Rahab lived, didn't fall with the rest of them. And the two spies, their job was to go in and escort her, Rahab, and her family out to safety on the day of the big battle. And the story of the Battle of Jericho ends with this statement about Rahab. And she's still living among the people today. We don't know when, when Joshua's book was written down, but she was still alive when it was, and she was still with them. She'd chosen her side. She'd chosen God's side. There's something about this that we need to understand. And here's the sermon in a sentence. Faith vanquishes fear. When we know that God is who he says he is and he does what he promises to do, when we recognize that God is the supreme, the Lord is the supreme God of heaven above and earth below, it vanquishes our fears. It can, it should, if we're willing to let go of them. And the cross is the place where we can put all those fears to death. See, at the cross, we can focus our attention on Jesus. He overwhelms our fears. Sometimes it's helpful to uh, think about what's the worst that could happen to me. Not always. Sometimes that's a very worst problem. But sometimes it's helpful just to take that for us to take that to its net conclusions. What's the worst thing that could happen to me? I could die. Is that really the worst thing that could happen to me? If I understand the promises of God correctly, the worst thing, if that death is what happens to me when I leave here, I go to be with Jesus. And then the next thing I know, when he comes back, he resurrects me. And I get to spend my life with him and his family forever. The worst thing that can happen to me is a temporary separation. That doesn't mean it's painless. Just means it's temporary. You look at Jesus on the cross. Yes, he knows what it means to hurt. He understands the feelings. He knows what it is to 
but he also knows what it means to endure that all because he knows on the other side there's a resurrection coming. <clears throat> we focus our attention on Jesus, our fears become irrelevant. He's overcome all that stuff. People don't like us, don't approve of something. They didn't like us. There are people who didn't like Jesus. There are people who didn't like Jesus to the place where they decided they had to kill him. There are people who don't like me. No one's tried to kill me yet. That I know of. If they have, they've done a really bad job. Um, there, there are people, there, there are things that, that have happened that, uh, that I've been afraid of. There, there are things that I, you know, I, I like to have people like me. Right? I'm a born people pleaser. Some of you are too. Not everyone. Some of us are born people pleasers. Then somewhere along the line we figure out you're never going to please everybody. And standing at the foot of the cross you realize there's one person who's going to love me never going to love me less. He's never going to love me more. He loved me enough to die for me. That's all I need. And all my other fears become irrelevant. One who's greater than the worst that could ever happen to me is on my side. And he's all overcome everything that's the worst that could ever happen to me. And you can choose to be on his side. Fear vanquishes faith, excuse me, faith vanquishes fear. Let's put that in the right order, Mark. Say that correctly. Faith vanquishes fear. But we have to let go of the fear. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Your fear is, I mean, those are easy words to say. They're not complicated, hard to pronounce. They are not easy to practice, however.
need your help. To even be able to focus our attention on Jesus at the cross, we need your help. To, to see the Lord as the supreme God of heaven above and earth below, we need your help. So many things look big to us. Our perspective is warped. see things correctly. We need your help to be like Rahab and to choose to trust you. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Meet us where we are. You know our fears, individually and collectively. Where darkness seems to be faking the wind, show us the truth. Darkness is lost. Darkness always loses the light of Jesus' presence. Open our blind eyes to the light of his love. Thank God. Those who have connected with us online and those of you who are with us on site, thank you for participating with us today. If you have not joined the uh, Facebook group, uh, Champions of Hope, I invite you to do that. There's some things there, unique con content that uh, encourage you to grab a hold of that. Well, you are sent, which means... Jesus is going to go with you wherever you go to touch people with the power of his love, his mercy, and his grace. You do not go from here alone. Unless, of course, well, why would you do that? So go with Jesus the power of his Holy Spirit and share his love with anyone